Thanks, Mike, for finally letting me tour the Cage Club Podcast Network studios. No problem, Brian. But hey, could you not tell Joey? He hates it when you mess around with his stuff. Is that every Nick Cage movie ever? Yup. From Fast Times to Massive Talent, this network is pretty much the house that Nicky Coppola built. Hey, what about over there? Where do those stairs go? Um, what kind of, what kind of voice should I do it in? Like, uh, should I do like the Sicilian voice? <laughs> should I do? <laughs> <laughs> can Can you do a Jennifer Coolidge accent? No. I don't. <laughs> Ooh, should I give it a try? I might be you able can. to do, like, a version of it. All right, <clears throat> see if people can configure it. Do you leave these in, by the way? Sometimes, if they're funny enough. Okay, okay. Oh, this is Uncle Francis's wine cellar. <laughs> the Cut by Cut Francis Ford Coppola podcast. Oh, and this is a Cage Club Network production. <laughs> Oof, love right. it, love it, Tanya. <laughs> Buonasera, have a seat, have a glass, and welcome to Uncle Francis's Wine Cellar. I'm Brian Rodriguez, but where's Michael? We're not starting the podcast without Michael. Well, Brian, I guess we can start now because I just <laughs> flew in from Sicily, and boy, am I tired. <laughs> what are you talking about, Mike? We're still here. We're still on the white sandy beaches of the White Lotus Hotel, Ooh. Resort, and Spa. I do have a wine. I do have a couple of wine, but right now okay. I am enjoying a nice Aperol spritz because there were so many Aperol spritz enjoyed <laughs> in the White Lotus season two. Very nice. Very on point with you with the drinks. Loving it. Look at us. Now we are we are growing as a show. We have started using props. I love it. <laughs> we're both in vacation wear. We're both in Hawaiian shirts. I'm rocking the sunglasses. Mike, you're rocking the hat. Are you in a beach chair? Uh, yeah, I am in a beach chair. Uh, it's sadly, it's my just everyday podcasting chair. You know, I mentioned <laughs> to you before the show, I really got to spruce up the room a little more now that we might be on camera for a bit. So I'm always in beach mode, I guess, these days, you could say. It's the only way to podcast. <laughs> when we decided we're doing The White Lotus Season 2, um, again, we're not going to go into like a deep dive here. Um, we're just going to have a little fun with the godfatherness of the show. This is a jam-packed show, but we'll get into that in a second. But <laughs> I wanted to dress like Portia, but when I put on the, the tropical shirt and the sunglasses, mm -hmm. and Mike, you too, I think we both look more like the people who kidnapped Jennifer Coolidge. No, we're the gays. Yeah, spoiler alert. Yeah, we're the gays. Their words. No. <laughs> Actually, Brian, when you said you were going to just like her character, I was like, well, just like one of them, they're super sharp and dapper for most of the time. Or maybe that's just when they're partying. But I feel like this is how we would hang at the White Lotus, you know, when we sell our podcast empire and sit back and just spend the big bucks. That's one of the stops. And I mean, when I retire, this is going to be what I wear every day. Twine that's shirt, the goal, Mike. Shorts. That's the goal. And you... Cellar dwellers out there, nieces and nephews, you can help get us there, get us to retirement by hitting that subscribe button, liking us on social media, remembering to keep your friends close and your fellow podcasters closer. Please, please, please like the show, follow the show, spread the word about the show. Tell people about Uncle Francis's wine cellar. That's so yes. important. Just want to say, uh, Greece used to be the word, you know, but now it's <laughs> Francis. Now it's two words. 
So you could follow the podcast on Instagram, Uncle Francis's Wine Cellar. You could also follow me privately on Oh My Rodriguez on Twitter, O H M Y Rodriguez. And you could follow my other show, High School Slumber Party. And you could listen to High School Slumber Party wherever you get your podcasts. And Mike, you have so many other shows on the network. I was going to wait to plug things at the end, but yeah, it was just Nicolas Cage's birthday, and it was Elvis's birthday. Oh, so you might as well yeah. tell people where they can follow you and your shows. Sure, absolutely. I also feel like Keanu's birthday is somewhere right around the corner. I could really? be off about that, but I don't know. I'm probably off about that. Anyway, uh, yeah, so the man himself, Cage, the patron saint of the network, he had his birthday recently, and I do the show with Joey, the pod, oh, the podfather of the network, our own podfather, the godfather, Joey Lewandowski. Vito um, Lewandowski. <laughs> it's the titular show of the network cage club itself so we are very much looking forward to this year in cage there's a new western coming out soon called the old way and if you've listened to joey and i over the years you know that that is one of the things that i've been dying to see nick cage do is a western i am so up for it i'm ready actually brian i just i got this this cowgirl tattoo recently if you can see that my Ooh. western tattoo and so you got I'm it all for in. Nicolas Cage? Absolutely. No, I didn't. <laughs> but, but we might be talking one day about Godfather tattoos. So a little spoiler there, a little tease, if you will. Okay, other shows on the network. Let's see, Dan and I, we are going through the Universal Horror Movies and the Monsters That Made Us, and we are deep into the Abbott and Costello years of the Universal Monsters, so check that show out. Uh, Brian, you're my unofficial co-host over there at uh, Third Time's a Charm, my flagship show, my one-man army show, me, myself, and I over there, plus you most of the time. <laughs> what did we just review? Oh, yeah, Jurassic World 3, which was a fun show. That was a good talk. I'm on tons of other stuff, but uh, check it all out at cageclub.me, and then you know follow me on the, on the gram. You can follow me on the bird, the blue bird. I'm there at the underscore Mikester most places. So now that we have that out of the way, I just need to share. Yes, I'm drinking an Aperol Spritz, but I will be drinking a Coppola wine after I finish the Aperol Spritz. But don't worry, not a oh. full bottle. I'm just going to finish okay. the Merlot I was drinking last time. Francis Coppola Diamond Collection Merlot 2018. We'll be talking a little bit about you know, wine later, we'll be talking Coppola a lot this episode. Mike, I'm going to surprise you with some things I'm going to make you watch in this episode. This episode I've been crafting for a while, because this is one of our, like, in-between film episodes, right? And originally I was like, what are we going to talk about? And then, you know, we had mentioned White Lotus on the previous thing. We had mentioned some other stuff. And in my head, it just built this chaotic combo of all these Coppola <laughs> things we could talk about today. And then the Coppola news went nuts this week. So, guys, oh you're oh in for a treat today. Yeah. In for a treat. Brian, I just got to cut in real quick and say, like, a bomb dropped the other day in the world of Francis Ford Coppola. And I was like, right in, right in time. Because we got this episode coming up. I was worried I was going to run a little short. But... Definitely not. Not anymore. No, Mike. We might run long today, believe it or not. Believe it or not. It, I don't know about a two-parter, but today <laughs> is going to be nuts. Want to make sure, though, that you listen to the last episode, Dementia 13, the official debut of Francis Ford Coppola as a director. We talk a lot of Roger Corman on there. Mike, you awesome. really, really enjoyed the film. Yeah. 
Very much. I mean, I, <laughs> I reiterate, I really liked it. It was a big surprise. I, I, I saw a lot of like great influence in there and it was really fun to see early Francis and yeah, he came out of the gate swinging as far as I'm concerned. One thing we forgot to mention that someone actually reminded me about, and if we did mention it, let me know, but I'm pretty sure we didn't. Did you catch the Tom Petty connection in Dementia 13? Um, hmm. No, I don't think so. So there's this line in Dementia 13, and everyone on the internet is convinced that Tom Petty stole it because it's the first line to his biggest song. She was an American girl, raised on promises. Okay. She's an American girl. You can tell she's been raised on promises. You know that song? American Girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know the song, but they think that that song was inspired by this movie? Well, at least that line, right? That movie comes way before that song. And there's no other citation anywhere previous to that song that it could have been. Maybe Tom Petty saw this movie and like he might not know it came from this movie, but he might be like, oh, I always like that line, you know. So interesting, right? Yeah. I mean, are people upset about that? Like, Mm -hmm. that's perfectly fine. Like, that's what that's what people do. Right. That's how you find your lyrics. Sometimes it's like, oh, it was a great line in a movie. Like, how can I work that? It's so lyrical. How can I work that in? No, people were more like. Isn't that fascinating? This obscure early Coppola film, like Tom Petty connection there, but mm-hmm. I don't know. Figured I'd mention it today. Very nice. Very nice. I wouldn't blame you if you didn't because you were there. I rarely listen back to my own episodes of things. But <laughs> did you happen to re listen to our episode, Mike, of Dimension 13? No, I, I didn't. What happened? Because, of course, one of our favorite segments, Mike Appella. Why don't you sing the theme? Ooh, where in the world can I watch The Godfather? <laughs> By the way, Mike, I've noticed that every time you use it's different, different. Lyrics, yeah. <laughs> it's a little different. <laughs> like for most of the times, it's where in the world is The Godfather streaming? This is more on beat, right? Where in the world can I watch The Godfather? I think that's like phonetically, that's the right way to say it. Yes, but it doesn't match the logo I made for it, but still. (laughs) It doesn't matter. So, last time we had mentioned that The Godfather was AMC because we recorded before New Year's. Mike, after New Year's Day? Yeah, so January 1st, 12.01 (laughs) a.m. Drunk as a skunk. (laughs) No, I put a note in the podcast. I, I edited it in. It went back to Peacock. All right, good. Cool. It's but not Paramount. No, it's not on Paramount. It's Peacock. Peacock's not the home. Oh, damn. I can't get these fucking <laughs> streaming services straight anymore, bro. I don't... You know what? Like, so you, here's what I'm thinking is like Paramount is funding a lot of shit by pimping out the rights to The Godfather. <laughs> and it's like, you can only watch it. You can only have it for like a week or two. Or like, if you want it, you could have it for like two months, but it costs... Three times. Something's going on. I'll just say this, Mike. I do have some sources at Paramount, and they have told me that you're not wrong. They couldn't confirm (laughs) that that was the case, but it seemed like a strategy in line with their thinking. Might as well make money off this property to fund 
our fledgling network. I can't blame them for that. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. They they should hire us to talk up the Godfather a little bit on our show. <laughs> I I gotta say though, honestly, I if they really want to do right, they should start hyping part three a lot more. But we'll we'll get there one day. Well, Mike, they're not putting part three in the package technically because it is part three, but it's the coda. So let let's remind that our listeners of that. That when we're talking about where the Godfather is streaming, it's the package of Godfather 1, yeah. Godfather 2, and the Coda. So according to Francis, like that's the Godfather now. The Coda has yeah. erased Ooh. original cut of Godfather 3 in the mind of Francis. Oh, wow. I wonder if it's going to be a thing now where it's like the special editions where Lucas stopped uh, pressing copies of the original versions and he's like those aren't the version and so everyone hold on to your copies of godfather part three for 20 years and hope ebay's still around Ooh, yeah i didn't even think about that so yeah maybe like our children and our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren won't even know original cut godfather three maybe no, they'll just no. like know the coda <laughs> It's going to be like Metropolis or Nosferatu when like, they keep unearthing different reels that were lost throughout time and reform the complete version of the original <laughs> vision. <laughs> Francis is going to go around having everything destroyed and it's the future generation like put it back together. Well, you mentioned Metropolis. And what's bigger than a Metropolis? Uh, a Megaopolis. Megalopolis, yes. So... Mike, do do the do, 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 do. okay. All right. <clears throat> Megalopolis update. Whoa, Nelly! This is a big Megalopolis update. So many people were sending us these articles, yeah. Mike. About Check this what... out, Brian. It's an explosion. Did you feel the shockwave? I felt the shockwave from Atlanta to here where the filming of Megalopolis is taking place. So let's bring people up to speed. The Hollywood Reporter, I believe, had an exclusive article saying that the newest Francis Ford Coppola project, if you're new to this show and you're unaware, uh, Francis Ford Coppola sold off his winery, his Coppola wine, (laughs) sold off his assets to raise money to make his dream project which we know little about except that we know it's going to be chaotic he has an Mm -hmm. a-list cast including aubrey plaza who's on the white lotus which we'll talk about a little bit later and they started shooting in atlanta apparently the film's halfway done which i have no idea how that's the case but that's what all the articles said at least halfway shot not halfway well yeah yeah exactly filming might be done but then there's like apparently lots of post-production yes so This is supposed to be very much an effects-driven film. And apparently Francis fired the entire effects department. And a lot of people were describing the entire shoot as chaotic was a word people were using. Now, Mike, Mike, your initial thoughts. Yeah, exactly. That's my thoughts, too. People were like, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? Of course. You're telling me Francis Ford Coppola is making a movie and it's gone out of control as far as other people are concerned, except for Francis. Francis is the only one that's like, this is my method. You know this. I've talked about this. Making the movie is the nightmare. Having the movie is the dream, right? (laughs) (laughs) Did anyone watch The Offer? (laughs) I guess not. Honestly, have you heard of Hearts of Darkness, right? Like the the documentary? When he almost lost his mind and blew his brains out. Now, we know your boy Nick Cage is nephew number one. 
Okay. Happy birthday, <laughs> Nick Cage. The prodigal nephew. Yes. But if we if we are nephews number two and three in no specific order, this was not <laughs> a surprise to us. This was no. like, oh, it's a Francis shoot. Okay. How many? Uh, what's the uh, one from the heart? Was chaotic too, right? Yeah, yeah, big time. Yeah, you know. In fact, I've, we were kind of waiting for this news. You know, it wasn't going to be Megalopolis without news like this, right? Like it's like it's going too smooth. Like things are. You know, it's not going to be good because it sounds like it's on the rails. Now that it's off the rails, I'm way more excited. Now, a, a couple things, because Francis actually had a rebuttal to this. But mm-hmm. did want to mention, too, that we covered a film where he fired the entire effects department, remember? That was Dracula. <laughs> Bram Stoker's <laughs> Dracula. Right. And it ended up being yeah. great. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing film. Beautiful movie. I, I, you know, and I'm sure I can't remember, but I mean, looking at all the supplemental materials, they never say like, oh, it was a nightmare because they won't release that on the disc. But I don't remember, you know, it. I, I'm sure at the time people were like, oh, that movie's out of control. It's crazy. Like it's going, it's going into the, you know, into the red. Like I, I, this just makes me more excited. A hundred percent. When a lot of people were like, oh no, are we ever going to see this movie? Me and you were just licking our chops. We're like, this is exactly <laughs> what we're waiting for. This just enhances the Francis yes. Ford Coppola experience, does it not? That's that's the whole thing. Is it's not just about the movie. It's about the experience. Like you have to anticipate the movie too. Like even if it never gets made, it's the fun of following the process of the film and all of the production and everything like that. Like it's been going on now. Like we're going back into the past to find out about stuff about this because, you know, he's been making this his whole career technically. So I also, I just have to add, I love the idea that he probably is like, you know what, my kids, my kids are comfortable enough and they're doing well enough. I'll sell off everything and i'll have nothing to leave them and i'm gonna go make my movie for me like that is just what a remarkable artistic family (laughs) i love it i love it and they they probably support him in it right yeah you hit something on the head that i think is perfect perfect so this man has been making movies for so many so many decades a lot of the productions have been like this but we're so excited being on this show right now because this is the first time in history that we can follow a Francis Ford Coppola production minute by minute because of the way the internet <laughs> works. And trust me, I hate I hate devices, I hate screens, I hate social media, except our social media, which you should follow. <laughs> but yes. I love this idea that we are in the production notes. Of a movie, essentially. Like, we're not yeah, looking yeah, yeah. back at it, like you said. We're following it in real time. And that's never, yeah. ever been the case with this artist. It makes me think of two things. One, how lucky we are to still be alive where Spielberg's making ma- amazing movies. Um, and it reminds me of Kubrick. Like, being alive when Kubrick was making Eyes Wide Shut. And, like, being a high school student, like, getting into film really deep for the first time watching a lot of Kubrick stuff, discovering the man and like being like following and charting as much of the progress of that movie as possible. And then seeing it in the fucking theaters, like this is, this feels like that now, like this feels like, okay, this is a, he's at the end here. And this is the last thing he's probably going to put out. And like, it's going to be 
his swan song and it's going to be epic. And I am having those same kind of like feelings, but they're amplified now because I know what they mean more. You know what I'm saying? Like it means so much more. And not just because you know what they mean more, but even when you're talking about Eyes Wide Shut, it was still a slow process to get that information. It was amazing. But now things happen on set and we know probably within hours if someone gets fired or if this happens or if that's happened right. happens right it's been a pretty like quiet set we don't have like intimate details as many movies are but i think what's different now is the discourse the online discourse now before when you were reading those variety articles or whatever you were reading about eyes wide shut you could talk about it with your friends now you go on twitter and people are talking about is this movie falling apart or not and it's just it's just insane and i love it and i cannot wait for this movie to come out yeah yeah it's exciting it's really like you know and it's going to sound corny but whatever cuz we're to film you know and we love this kind of stuff but it's like living in a part of history in that regard you know i mean we are always living in history i mean but it's you know i'm not trying to equate it to like one of the bad monumental moments but one of the good ones you know what i'm saying like it's just fun to be like oh like alive in the age where coppola is still making movies so coppola did offer a rebuttal to deadline yes. actually regarding the poor press around megalopolis and this was his quote i love my cast i love what i'm getting each day i am on schedule and on budget and that's what's important to me amazing <laughs> amazing amazing people are like why did he fund it himself he's gonna lose all his money people started feeling bad for him he seems like he's happy one and two let's go back to dracula that movie mm-hmm. was on budget and on time despite firing the effects department as well so let's just hope it goes the bram stoker dracula way with more chaos and again i cannot wait let this man make <laughs> the movie he wants to make yeah yeah and you know what i also love about francis is that even if it's not going right and there's some truth to the print, he's still like, no, I'm not going to give you shit. <laughs> you know, I love the enigma that this film is, you know, and that, and that he's, he's not leaking lots of details. The story isn't coming out. Like, I mean, like the plot, like no one really knows what this movie's going to be about so much. Like, I love it. I love how he just kind of like put his hand up to the press and was like, don't believe any of that shit. Like wait and see, you know, that kind of thing. I love it. What a showman. What a showman. And that wasn't the only bit of Coppola news. That was just like the biggest Coppola news. Yeah. One other thing we wanted to share in the Coppola news department. Uh, Joey actually sent us this article. Ooh. I don't know this film, but I know it's one of his later films. Oh, okay. This. Yes. I have not seen this. I've not. This is one of his that I have one of the few Coppola films I have not seen but have a very big interest in. It is called, and I might be saying this wrong, Betwixt Now and Sunrise. Yep. So this is the new cut. There's the film Twixt, as Coppola diehards might know, which again, I haven't seen either. But he's now released Francis Ford Coppola, Betwixt Now and Sunrise, which he's calling the authentic cut. So a new cut of a new Coppola film that, when did Twixt come out? I think it was like 2000s, like 2007 maybe, I want to say. I don't know. 2011, so I guess it's like more than a decade ago, but it's not crazy way back when. But he's decided to recut Uh it, and is it to raise money for Megalopolis? I don't know. But we need to check out both these versions of this film. Good call. It could be. That would be funny. Hold on. Our friend Jason Rainey had a good 
tweet about this. Oh, <laughs> so he, he retweeted um, from Dawn of the Discs, like the announcement about Betwixt Now and Sunrise. And his first thing just says Francis in capital letters. I love that. And then mid-production shenanigans and recutting yet another film as a treat. Uh, missed opportunity not calling it Twixt Fixed. <laughs> That's great. Jason Rainey, legend, legend of this show, one of our favorite nephews here. This is amazing. Yeah, what a week we've had in yeah, the Brian, global Brian, world, Brian. right? Like, that's the whole premise of the show. Like, it's just, he just threw more fuel on our fire, oh. like, and didn't even realize it. Like, it's just going to keep going. And the machine now has, like, all this extra coal in it for the journey. It's amazing. Mike, I'm so happy. I'm so, so happy. You know, like, <laughs> 2023 started off so great for this show. Like I said, I was like, what are we going to talk about? Oh, are people going to give a shit for talking about the White Lotus? It was tangentially related to The Godfather. But this episode is just like a, a, just a mush of all great Coppola things that yeah. I'm just so happy. Not to uh, preemptively throw us into another segment, because we could go back to this, but like, I want to talk a little bit about the show within the, you know, as we're doing the show, how we talk about what the show should be. Ooh. I think maybe we we could do episodes like this and not even have, you know, like a film or a show to talk about where we just talk about Coppola news. You know, we, we talk about some other stuff that's going on. If we have enough to package, that's something to possibly think about. Well, we're doing it now, so we don't even need to think about it. <laughs> well, I'm saying like, even if we didn't have white Lotus to talk about, you know, we could still uh, record tonight and put this out. <laughs> hundred percent hundred percent we used to do this with ps i love hoffman the philip Seymour hoffman podcast with kyle but we wouldn't have a lot of news because unfortunately philip Seymour hoffman passed right but we are getting coppola news and i hope if every week is like this you know i've died and gone to heaven the closer we get to the release the more is going to come out can you imagine the episode when the trailer drops brian like i'm gonna lose my mind i am gonna lose my mind emergency episode when the trailer comes out every cut of the trailer we're going to talk about don't worry every <laughs> the 30 second tv spot the two minute trailer that comes out first and then the two and a half minute trailer that comes out that shows even more and then like all the different versions oh it's gonna be great i hope we get more coppola in the future but let's be honest the man's up there in age this might be the final coppola film yeah. especially if it doesn't make money he will have no money so <laughs> At least, like, if this is his final movie, you got to remember, this is just the first cut of it. It's <laughs> just the first version. Very good Megalopolis point, recut, like, restructured. What would he call that? Like, rebuilding Megalopolis. Or, like, oh. So, it's never, Super it's not over till it's over. Oh, my goodness. Mega, oh Megalopolis. <laughs> oh man so we're doing our segments a little out of order today but i felt like we needed to get that news up front oh we had an order the, I, I have an outline had... i have an outline so. <laughs> i'm sorry some of the stuff comes from the top of my head but i need a rough outline but i did want to get to one of my favorite segments if not my favorite segment here the mike manzi merch table oh my goodness okay hold on now so we do have a jingle for this. What is this? Uh, I think we, were we should just, just play the, Mel- the store is open or something like that. <laughs> we should play that Mel Brooks clip from Spaceballs. We put the picture's name on everything. Merchandising, <laughs> merchandising. <laughs> Come, walk this way. Take a look. We put the picture's name on everything. 
Merchandising, merchandising, where the real money from the movie is made. All right, so I'm sending you a link to today's thing. Uh, it is related to the White Lotus, and today's item is the resort, the Four Seasons Resort in Terramina, Sicily, where the show was filmed. And uh, if you want to spend a night oh, at the real-life White Lotus in Sicily, you are more than welcome. It'll run you on the low end about $2,400 a night. So go. that's not even including airfare or dinner or anything and that's one night for one person <laughs> um but uh you know i figured this like if we hype up this place on the show maybe they'll send us out there get in touch with us send us out there maybe like we'll have to see if our if our awesome godfather watch will keep time in Terramina, sicily while we're visiting the locations of the godfather that we are being sent to because we are hyping it on the show so you never know <laughs> well mike this is a great great choice Sicily is such a beautiful place. I've always wanted to go, but now it's cool because of the White Lotus. Uh, but, you know, growing up in North Jersey like we did, you got a lot of Sicilian friends or, or people around you. So so uh, yeah. one of my best friends is Sicilian. I'm the godfather to his child. That's why that's why it's so important to me. No, no, no. But I am, as you know, the godfather <laughs> to his child. And he's always told me how beautiful Sicily is. And, and you know, I definitely want to go. And now that I've seen White Lotus Season 2, I want to go even more. So... You're absolutely right, Mike. We are open for resort sponsorship. So Four Seasons, if you want to be the official resort sponsor of Uncle Francis's Wine Cellar, we will accept that. We don't even need money. We just need Four Seasons points if you have a point system, if you're yeah. like a Hilton. Yeah. And we could do it. Oh, man. I think we could do it. That would be the ultimate episode would be to review The Godfather, where The Godfather was shot in Sicily. You know, talk about that scene, talk about all that. And even more, you know? So, yeah, I think it would be the perfect opportunity for our two companies to come together in a very productive manner. Couldn't agree more. And just a reminder out there, we still have an open opportunity for a cannoli sponsorship on the show. So if you are a bakery who makes authentic cannolis, send them our way and we'll plug you on the show. If you are someone who makes Italian food or even pizza, send pizza our way. <laughs> Kawabunga pizza. <laughs> we are open to multiple sponsorship opportunities, so hit us up on our social medias, slide into our DMs, and we will definitely, definitely, definitely get back to you. Also, Mike, you bring up a good point. Let's keep planning the show on air. Yes, we yeah. could travel to Sicily to do an episode, and I definitely want to do that. But so much of The Godfather was filmed in New York. We have to have like an on-location New York episode. Yes. Yes. Where we, where we tour the sites here in yes. New York City. So, Yo, note to self. Let's, yeah, let's do that as soon as the weather gets nicer. As soon as the weather affords us the luxury of walking around without freezing our ass off in New York City in the middle of the winter. I think that would be the perfect thing to do like around March or April maybe. I would love to do that walking tour. We'll walk around and talk in the our recorder and then we'll just post that that'd be awesome 100 percent, and then we could wait for the san Gennaro feast in the fall and i can oh. get on a horse dressed oh. as a cop and and shoot you as joey sasa <laughs> <say, "Zasa!"> you know? <laughs> no. oh man yeah don't sit on my car whatever you do. <laughs> you know? 
Oh, what a dream, what a dream. One might think, by seeing the title of this episode, that we'll be talking The White Lotus now. But, Mike, I have some surprises for you. Well, first surprise. First surprise. I am going back to the merch table. The merch stand is still open. It's not closed. Oh, all right. All and I, right. mentioned, I mentioned this last time that I'll be picking stuff from the Academy store. So the museum, the oh, Oster Museum, yes. the Academy Museum store has some great Godfather stuff. Like, I can do this all year. So I'm like, you picked an expensive thing. Like $2,000 yeah. a night in yeah, Sicily. Yeah, granted, granted. But, you know, starting last episode, I want to try and have it relate to what we watched, if we watched something, you know, if possible. And I figured, like, that was so hilariously expensive that I thought it would be fun to tie it in as a sponsor one day somehow, like you did with the watch. You know, I was like... Why not? Shot in the dark. Who knows? And plus, like, it's also cool to let everyone know, like, you could actually fucking go to this place and pretend to be White Lotus or me, or... <laughs> whoever, or Michael Imperioli. <laughs> so, Mike, you pick something expensive. I picked one of the cheapest things on the Academy <laughs> Museum store. You mind opening that up? Oh my god, I love it though. I could use this. I could use this. Pra- practical, much more practical than my waste of a vacation. <laughs> Not unless you're going to send us there for free, but otherwise. So, if you are a museum member, this is four dollars and five cents. If you are not a member, okay. it is four dollars and fifty cents. It is the official, the Godfather, air freshener. Okay. <laughs> I, I've I, all right. A few problems. I love and I I love this. I I love the concept. I want an air for. I love that it's orange. Orange scent. Perfect. Okay. Oh, it's orange. I didn't even care. Oh yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> orange scent is perfect. So kudos there. Four fifty seems expensive for an air fucking freshener. If you ask me, aren't they like a dollar? Okay, Mister Twenty Four Hundred Dollars a Night. All right. This is not this is not your little treat air freshener. This is a okay, Godfather okay. air freshener. Imagine imagine pulling down the road in your like, you know, Cadillac. Black, yeah, a Cadillac or like those black Godfather cars they drive and you have this red air freshener dangling with the Godfather marionette and people are like, "Wow, that guy's okay. cool." That guy's cool. So so I guess my main gripe with it is the shape. Like it should be the shape of the hand holding the mirror. You know, it should be sort of cut out and trim. Yeah, right? <laughs> so the strings like hold that. the font? Ooh, yeah. Oh, that would be even better. Now you're improving. Mm. If I'm ever if I'm ever lucky enough and blessed enough to have a child, in their crib is gonna be the oh. Godfather mobile. You know, mobile. Like it's gonna have like the Godfather Beautiful. hand. And then just the font and then it's the just all the letters and the letters jumbled up. <laughs> yeah. You're gonna grow up to have a, a dyslexic baby because the letters are just gonna keep <laughs> spinning around. You know, it's gonna do the Godfather theme, but like in that, like uh, you know, ding 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 ding. Oh yeah, yeah, the little ding ding ding. That tin pan sound. My wife is scowling at me in the corner. All right, all right. It's like you're gonna name the the dog Carthoom. No, I hope not. Jeez. I don't want my friends to play a prank on me like that. Oh, my gosh. So, Brian, uh, unless there's more about the air freshener, that might be a good segue into surprise segment real quick. I have surprise no segments, too, guy. by the way. So, oh, okay. So, so let's so, trade. So let me do Let me do the next one. Yeah, I can't segment. wait. I'm just so happy you have a surprise segment. 
Okay. Well, it's not so much a surprise to you, but I figured I'd announce it on the show. So on your show, High School Slumber Party, you did a review of a movie, the Goofy movie, with Cousin Pumpkin, right? And from that episode, you spawned somewhat of a, not a raffle or anything, I don't know how to say it, but like, pick a tattoo that Cousin Pumpkin was going to get based on the Goofy movie. And people were going to choose the, the design and then he was going to get it. I'm thinking of holding a similar Ooh. kind of thing on our show. Now I, I've only come up with one design so far and I've sent it to you prior. I'm not going to resend it to you, but I don't know if you still have the design I sent you. Basically it's the American traditional uh, horse head. It's like from the Pharaoh's horses is a very classic three horse head tattoo design. So you take one of those horse heads, you put a little ribbon that says, Carthoom around it and you have blood dripping from the neck and splattered all over the head and there you have your first mike manzi designed godfather tattoo design in the running for the raffle so if anyone out there has any other ideas or wants to submit as soon as we have three good ones that i am thinking about seriously then maybe we can hold the uh not the raffle but what do you call it like um you know, you give people three choices it's and they get poll. to pick. Uh, yeah, a it's... poll. Yes, we'll have a poll. It was so simple; it was right in front of my face. But we'll do a poll. I love it. I love it. I'm going to reformat the rules, though. I think that okay. Let's not have people. Okay, because suggest... you don't. You don't have. You, you don't have. First rule. First reformat. You don't have to pay for it, Brian. You paid for cousin. Well, well that's good. Thank you. You don't have to pay for this one. I, I've, I've started working at a tattoo shop, so I think I could get maybe a discount on this. And, and just for the record, like Cousin Pumpkin only had one tattoo when he had that tattoo in High School Lumber Party, uh, the Goofy yes. Movie tattoo when he got it. You have many, many tattoos, so that's why I'm ex- I'm even more excited for you. It's not like with my cousin, I was a little bit, oh no, you know what I mean? But I think you should do this. every Maybe every month or every episode if you want, release another potential Design, design. And, when, and when we get five five's a better number when we get five then let let the okay nieces and nephews vote so i already actually had like this whole thing kind of started in my brain because jason was sending us designs and and other things and he sent us those pins based on elvis and the colonel like i love elvis i hate elvis he sent yeah. us these I love Francis. I hate Francis. And I was like, oh, those would make fun tattoos. Like I would get an I love Francis with a little <laughs> face and stuff. So that design might even be one in the running. So we might have two already. Nice. I love it. I hope that's in the running. Consider it. Consider it. That's great, Mike. I can't wait. So we are about to take a trip to Sicily. Oh, yeah. As we discuss the White Lotus here, White Lotus season two. But before that, Mike, I said, is there a better time to discuss the amazing scene from the trip to Italy with uh, Steve Coogan and Rob Brydon? We might as well. It's right? been a minute since I've seen it. But I mean, look, we could do this in long form with Kyle if we want, but short form... If you guys are not familiar with the trip movies, they are awesome. We love them love here. Them. We think it's so hilarious. But the trip to Italy has a famous scene. Let me set it up. So it stars Steve Coogan and Rob Brydon, who I know Steve Coogan is way more famous in the U.S., but they're friends on the show. They play versions of themselves. And in the movies, they travel and rate food spots, right? 
Um, they're real, like, you know, intimate road trip comedies, I would say. But in the trip to Italy, in that one, which I think is the second one, right? I'm not sure. I think so. I think so. To set the scene, and I'll play the clip, they're supposed to go to Sicily, but plans change, and it just boils. <laughs> or, I don't know. It just turns into this uh, whole Godfather impersonation thing. So let's watch the video, Mike. Emma's organized a place for us to stay on Capri. So uh, I was going to ask you if you want, you can come and stay. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. Because um, then you still have your six places to write about. Great. It's a shame not to go to Sicily, though. I was looking forward to that for obvious reasons. Well, you, you don't have to be in Sicily to do impressions from the Godfather, do you? I could go on anywhere, but there's something about Sicily, you know? You should put rolled up bread in your cheeks to pad them out. I have a, I have a yeast intolerance. Oh, yeah. You know, when Michael went back there in the, in the first Godfather, Michael mm. has to go down there, and he says to Kay, I gotta lay low for a while, then I come back. It's the family, Kay, not me. Okay, Michael, la-di-da. Oh, it was Diane Keaton. Diane Keaton didn't realize she was in the Godfather, not Annie Hall. She's gonna stay with me for a while, that's okay. You know, Who the hell are you? I, I'm, I live in the um, Manhattan. I, <laughs> no, I'm just laughing out of nervousness. Why are you carrying hey, lobsters with him, Kay? What are you doing? Hey, Mikey, you want me to take this guy out? There's always the big fat guy. This, Mikey, this guy, this little guy, this Jew bothering you? I really, no, please, I'm allergic to death. Well, I'm going to pick him up by the neck, squeeze the neck till there's no life left in this guy and chuck him out a window. That's, you're, that's a joke, right? This is I, I like it. It's funny. My I'm, friend doesn't make jokes. <laughs> Kay, you got to explain what it is with this guy. Oh, la-di-da, Michael. La-di-da. What is this? At what point did it become? Yeah, go, go one day. Go he went to this. bed, he said to his wife, he said, Mrs. Okay. Pacino, I'm going to sleep now. Good night, I'll see you in the morning. Good night to all the kids, all of the pets, everybody. Good night to the help. Good night. Good night, Al. Sleep well. He, he turns over, he wakes up in the morning. What do you got? I've got laryngitis. For the rest of my life. Uh, don't go too loud, eh? For the rest of my life. You see the coffee commercial he did? No. Pacino he sits there and he says, you know, for me, coffee is a way of life. A Pacino script will always have coffee marks on it. That's how you know it's a Pacino script. And then he takes a sip really? and goes, it's good coffee. I, I can watch that scene to Kingdom Come. I love <laughs> it. They're so good and they're so funny at doing those impressions. I didn't realize, because I love Steve Coogan, you know, from Alan Partridge, right? Like, knowing me, knowing you. You know, like, knowing you, Brian, knowing me, Alan Partridge. Um, <laughs> I didn't know he was an impressionist until I started watching The Trip. And I liked Rob Brydon. I didn't know him from much. So he was on one of my favorite shows on HBO called The Brink. And mm. it was like Tim Robbins and Jack Black. Yeah. And I I think Asif Mandi was in it. It's it's perfect season of television, and he's in it. And I thought like his role was just like I was like, who is this guy? And why don't I know him like as well as I know everyone else that I know? Like he's amazing. And so those three movies are super treats. I love those three movies so much. So uh, nieces and nephews with a good ear and a good memory will probably remember that I have just subtly dropped the, these quotes in our discussions on The Godfather, like, la-di-da, you know? When we go yeah, to, like, yeah, yeah. The Annie Hall, like, I always think of that, and I always think of just, like, all the... You could tell they love The Godfather by doing these quotes, because they're so able to just pull in and pull out of it, and then also the Annie Hall stuff with the lobster. It's just, like, it's just amazing. <laughs> 
and it, and and it's funny how they focused on Pacino. You didn't hear it. He does a Brando earlier, but the, but Pacino and Brando. I never realized how similar they sounded in that movie until watching this clip, where like Brando's very high. You know, he's got the thing in his mouth, but he's high. But so is Al. Al's just yeah. a little higher. <laughs> yeah, and then they and then they address in the clip also how like you know he was he had like hit the helium voice one day and the next day he woke up and he sounded like he was smoking for 50 years. <laughs> no, I sound like this. This is how I sound now, okay? You like it or not? La-di-da. <laughs> so Mike, so watching this clip, like maybe deep dive the stuff they were talking about, at one point they mentioned that Al Pacino was in a coffee commercial and I was like, yeah, what are they talking about? So Mike... I've sent you the cut of the coffee commercials. I believe it aired in Australia. And Mike, I know you're a big fan of coffee. And I know Coppola doesn't have the coffee, uh, but maybe Pacino will have the coffee one day. Anyway. Okay. Vittoria Coffee. I should find this on the internet and, and order some since he was in it. I guess I've been drinking coffee since I was, what, five? Six, maybe? These cold mornings up there in the South Bronx. Granddad would go into the kitchen, heat up some coffee. There I was, little Al, and he'd just give me a little sip. Not much, mind you, sometimes a spoonful, give me a little taste. So coffee became part of a ritual. This is a good coffee. If you just take expert out of the equation, I know coffee. I know coffee. There's two things I know in life, I'm confident to say, two things. One is coffee. The other, uh, uh, what you forget? I forgot. <laughs> this is a good coffee. Victoria coffee. In the morning, you're making a movie, you get up real early, so you need all the all the help you can get. When I'm reading the script, when I'm rehearsing, coffee goes with my line of work. Without coffee, I'm going to feel like something's missing in the day. I'm going to feel awkward. I'm not going to feel the same. Most of my scripts have coffee stains on them. That's how you know it's a Pacino script. This is a good coffee. Okay. Coffee. Coffee, coffee. Oh, yeah. Coffee, coffee, coffee. That's a good, that's a good cup of coffee. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't want to insult the coffee by putting milk and sugar in it, right? Okay. I, I started with the milk, and started with the sugar, then I took the milk away, I took the sugar away, and now I'm just back to the coffee. Coffee, coffee. Al loves coffee. Dude, <laughs> this is amazing. This is amazing. Like, the, these, they're just so... It's just him talking about coffee, and it seems candid. He's like, I'm an expert in yeah. coffee. My, my, my grandfather gave me coffee no. in a spoon, and... Dude... Uh, if you take away the word expert and you just have coffee, then I know coffee. Like, wait, what? <laughs> in my line of work, my line of work, coffee goes along with it. Uh, you wake up in the morning, you're early, you need coffee. A Pacino script has coffee rings on it. That's how you know it's a Pacino script. <laughs> it's so, so good. So that's what he's talking about there. And anyone just check out, just commit Pacino coffee ads. And then, Hold on. Some- uh, can I order Victoria Coffee online right now? Can we do a quick search? Yeah. Maybe that's the coffee you, you need to drink. So, dude, okay. So not to do an impromptu back, 
back to Mike's market over here, but shop <laughs> Victoria Coffee online, folks. Oh my God! Welcome to the Victoria Coffee Shop, Al Pacino's particular brand of coffee. It says he that loves coffee. Oh, oh! I'm like that's amazing. <laughs> but you can get all kinds. They have espresso. They have decaf. They have everything, man. Oh, you're the coffee God, guy. I drink yerba mate, so I don't know. So Brian, you're right. I love I love my coffee. I'm gonna order the Victoria coffee. But when you started bringing up coffee, and they started talking about coffee on the clip, my mind directly went to Don Cucino. Oh, man. Oh, man. So I, I wasn't going to play this today, but let's just play this clip and do it because we're talking to Al Pacino Coffee. I know Kyle wanted to talk about this clip at one point. Kyle ran through the Foodie Films, man. But we could talk about it again. Who cares? It's our show. So yeah. let's watch yeah, definitely. the Dunkachino ad from what's, what's the movie? Jack and Jill? Jack and Jill. And he's in the whole movie. Oh, he's a huge character in the movie. Yeah, he's a main character. He's like third build. It's a Pacino film. <laughs> Something's brewing at D&D. Wow! Al Pacino! It's not Al anymore! It's Dunk! Dunkachino? Don't mind if I do! What's my name? Dunkachino! It's a whole new game! Dunkachino! You want creamy goodness? I'm your friend. Say hello to my chocolate blend. Attica, whoa, lucky light. This whole trial is out of sight. They pull me back in with hazelnut too, caramel swirl. I know it was you. Everyone wants my Dunkachino. Can't get enough of my Dunkachino. Kids from 7 to 17 lining up for my Dunkachino. What's my name? Dunkachino. Dunka, 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 Dunkachino. And boom, there you have it. It's actually 32 seconds, so I got to lose two seconds. Maybe you can tell me what, what part you would lose, but I think we are getting there. Burn this. I'm sorry? This must never be seen by anyone. If you didn't like all those close-ups, we can, we can, no, this is not the final cut. There's no doubt we, we can. All re- copies. Destroy them. You want me to play it again? Has anybody seen this? Nobody has seen this. Uh, they have to be found and talked to. All right. To be honest, I showed my wife. No she good. couldn't believe. No good. <laughs> I am finished, and I think that's the last time I'll be watching that for a while. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. So Jack and Jill, Adam Sandler plays. Brother and sister twins, right? Brother and sister twins. Al Pacino has a crush on. On on Adam Sandler in drag. Yeah, yeah. And that was, I think that was Andy Samberg in the Dunkachino Cup doing the hip hop dance next to him. But some of the, some of the, Al Pacino is like, it's not Al anymore. It's Dunk. Dunk like, is so stupid. Uh, he just says Attica. Ooh, I knew yeah, Attica. Ooh, latte light. <laughs> I don't know. The fun thing about that clip is that they, they he shows it to him in the movie, and like one of the last lines of the movie is Al Pacino. He watches the the commercial and he turns to <laughs> he turns to Adam Sandler and he goes, "Burn this." He's like, "Is this the only copy? Burn every copy. <laughs> I don't want anyone to see this ever." He pulled the old uh, Widow Stoker and wanted every copy of Nosferatu destroyed. He pulled the old Lucas saying, destroy every copy of the holiday special. (laughs) Good stuff, Brian. Lots of segments today. Lots of surprises. Lots of extra videos. Just a big, filled, fun episode so far. 
Yeah, and finally, we're at our main event, White Lotus Season 2. And again, if anyone was like confused and they thought this was like a full White Lotus breakdown, that's not what we're doing today. We're just talking about really nope. the, the Godfather parts. It's just kind of another one of our clips. So, away Al Pacino, away coffee, our trip to Sicily. Let's do it. <laughs> Mike, I'll ask you, um, had you seen the White Lotus before at all? Did you watch Season 1? So, I remember when it first aired and I was uh, I was like oh this seems interesting so I tried watching an episode and unfortunately I just was not into it at the time and I didn't watch season one and then I saw season two came out and I was like wow well, I'm not really interested but then you were like hey they go to Sicily this year I think there's going to be some Godfather related stuff so I was like okay maybe I should watch this season but being me, who I am, I can't watch a TV show just from starting on season two. So uh, I went back and I watched all of season one. And as I was watching season one, you're like, do you want to do an episode about the episode in season two where they do the Godfather stuff? I was like, you know what? Perfect timing because I'm just about to finish season one. I'm binging this shit. I'm getting into it. And uh, I watched it all. I watched every episode, wow. even though I didn't have to. And I like season two more because they leave the hotel. It's so, and it's they go to amazing places, and not just the Godfather episode, but like Sicily is just so fucking cool to look at as a location that it's just eye candy mostly. You know, like some of the time they could just be saying anything, and I'll just be like, "What?" And just like watching the beauty of the shot or something. It's great. Yeah, so a lot of people had sent me like, hey, did you see White Lotus Season 2? Did you see the Godfather stuff? So it got me excited. I'm always late to shows, like some stuff, like, you know, like Game of Thrones things. And rarely am I watching week of, right? I'm, I'm always behind. But I, I definitely watched White Lotus Season 1 because I'm a huge Mike White fan. I always have been. But like. Okay. Believe it or not, like Orange County is one of my favorite high school movies. I believe it. Yeah, he's a great writer. He's a great director. He's done a lot of stuff for HBO over his career. So I didn't know that it was a Mike White show until I sat down to watch it for this. And then the title, I was like, oh, okay. Maybe I should have watched it then. And, but, you know, maybe it just needed a extra episode or two to get into for sure i mean i i obviously i love nacho libre like a, that kind of stuff it's very different than <laughs> very different than uh you know white lotus but my i feel like my writing voice is similar to mike white's writing voice in terms of some of the pessimism there believe it or not you know um so i was really excited for white lotus season two but i just watched it as well i like you know i've been watching a lot of teen films mm -hmm. for high school slumber party 2022 so i I delayed it a little bit, and, you know, I loved both seasons, but I think I liked season two more as well. Maybe the Godfather stuff was a part of it. So there's one episode that really focuses on the Godfather, but the entire series has Godfather illusions. Why wouldn't it? It's Sicily, right? Yeah, so, exactly. So, so we're going to talk about some of those things. Um, so, again, if you don't want spoilers for White Lotus, just, I guess, stop the podcast or whatever. But <laughs> And if you're not familiar with the white lotus itself it's a tv show but it's an anthology tv show every season's different they may have one well this one certainly had one or two recurring characters from the first season but mike white initially just wrote the white lotus as a standalone miniseries um it was so popular they asked him to do another one and now he's acknowledged that he's doing it as an anthology 
where every season will be at a different White Lotus hotel, which is like a Four Seasons, as you as you mentioned, um, just a higher end uh, resort. And that's how it's going to be. He's compared it a lot to the uh, show Fantasy Island, where there'd be like just different Ooh, people every that's episode. Interesting. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. So he plans to continue it, but season two, um, he was location scouting all around Europe for where season two could be, fell in love with Sicily, and basically wrote it around Sicily. So it, it's funny because he finds the location, and then he writes what the show is going to be about. I think that's really cool. Oh, that's cool. pretty cool. That's an interesting method. Yeah. So that's why there was a lot of Sicilian lore and legends, especially like okay. that, that Moore statue, the, that, the, the head of the Yeah, Moore. I was just going to... Mm-hmm. Yep, I'm feeling it. We're going to zoom in on episode three, Bull Elephants, and then we'll zoom out on some other Godfather things here. Um, but specific, cool, cool. specifically, there are a couple storylines we're following. One of them is two Sicilian sex workers, right? One yes. of them is the uh, the hotel manager. Um, and again, they're intersecting because they're all staying yes. one week at this hotel. Oh, I I wish there was that's the one storyline. I wish there was more of Valentina, the hotel manager. <laughs> I, I just she was, was great. so intrigued by that character. Yeah, she was great. Of course, there's Jennifer Coolidge's story, which carryovers. <laughs> she's great. She's great. <laughs> I love her. She's she's Stifler's mom. If you uh, don't know for sure, that's a quick way. I think. Early on, people identified her by Stifler's <laughs> for, mom. For sure, for sure. You, Brian, being the high school of, of aficionado. <laughs> there, there's a uh, two couples who are there. Two like wealthy couples, you know, Aubrey Plaza. Yeah, on the younger side. Yeah. Who who are there on you know on vacation, and that goes out of whack. But specifically, I think today we're going to talk about um, the family. With uh, one of your guys and one of my guys, uh, the grandfather played by F. Murray Abraham. Yeah. How do you get to Carnegie Hall? John Practice. Wasn't <laughs> he in The Last Action Hero? Yeah, and so. also and also in uh, one of the Star Trek Next Generation movies, he was an alien. He was F. Murray Alien. Yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, come on. Amadeus, Scarface, legendary actor. Oh, yeah, yeah. That, those good movies, too. <laughs> And then Michael Imperioli plays, like, the father. Right? Yeah. He, he's great. I love that. Christopher. Christopher from Soprano. So. Let me, let me ask you this. Did he or did he not age into a silver fox, this guy? I mean, Yikes. I think so. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Needs to be in more stuff. Like, where the hell has he been the last decade or so? And then uh, Adam DeMarco, who was, I wasn't too familiar with, plays the son recent Stanford graduate, and they all go to Sicily, the three of them, to sort of reconnect with their roots. They're Sicilian, they want to find their family, but of course, you know, there's family strife there. I would say F. Murray Abraham and Michael Imperioli's character, they're both men who have cheated on their wives, essentially, and their son is a new age man. He calls himself a feminist, you know. He uh, definitely doesn't want to live the way his father and grandfather have lived when it comes to women specifically. We get a lot of like smart yeah. dialogue there, but one thing that Bert, the grandfather, ends up doing is booking a Godfather tour. So they do this excursion yes. to see where essentially uh, Dom Tomasino, they don't mention this, but Don Tomasino's estate. Yes. Where Apollonia's killed and such. And by the way, yeah, Michael's hiding out. Along with them is Portia, who is Jennifer Coolidge's character's assistant. 
she sparked at this point in the show a little bit of a romance with Albie. You know, things go in crazy directions after that, but yes. Oh, dude, I just want to say real quick, I loved the prior episode at the end. If Marie Abraham's like up late at night watching the godfather in his hotel room and that's like how he gets the idea he's like well i'm up late at night and there are these movies you can rent and wouldn't you know it one of them is the godfather <laughs> <laughs> yeah and that inspires him to i love the that. tour and it's so cool because they actually shoot at the house and it's like a cafe now yeah yeah but i do have to say this though he goes uh, he, t- he turns to his son and he's and his grandson and he's like the Godfather, the greatest movie ever made, and The Godfather Part Two, amazing. The third one, not so much. I'm like, go fuck yourself. <laughs> by the way, by the way, they spent more fucking time in Sicily in the third movie than they did in the first fucking two movies combined. Oh my, so oh my. Eat me. We'll get there. I'm gonna talk about it because everyone's just like, oh, it's one episode of The Godfather. The Godfather is strung throughout this series, but again, yes. mainly this episode. Uh, what everyone was Palermo. talking about, <laughs> yes, exactly. What everyone was talking about online, though, is the dialogue between the son and father and grandfather regarding oh, the yes. Godfather. So I, I don't think I can yes. get a clip. If I can get a clip, I'll put it in. If not, I'm going to read what they said. So yeah. Albie, yeah, again, feminist, recent college grad, because he's a little bit like weary of the Godfather. He doesn't, you know, he's kind of. No, let's just let's just say this. This kid is is scared to be himself because he feels like he's being judged a hundred percent of the time on how he treats women that's this character like he is so afraid to say or do the wrong thing or to be kind of uh aggressive or any of that kind of stuff because his dad and his grandfather are chauvinistic men who've cheated on women their entire life right so he is trying to be he's too nice you know what i'm saying like he's he is he puts himself in the fucking friend zone immediately in everything like that's the kind of dude he's pivoted to the opposite direction and again extremes don't work but this so this is what he says about the godfather to his father and grandfather you're nostalgic for the salad days of the patriarchy then the father says they're undeniably great movies and he goes, men love The Godfather because they feel emasculated by modern society. It's a fantasy about a time when they could go out and solve all their problems with violence and sleep with every woman and then come home to their wife who doesn't ask them any questions and makes them pasta. And Bert, the grandfather, is like, hey, 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 that's a normal male fantasy. And Albie says, no, <laughs> movies like that socialize men into having that fantasy. And then uh, the father says, movies like that exist because men already do have that fantasy. We're hardwired. And the grandfather says, it comes with the testosterone. So. <laughs> I think there's a lot of hot takes going on there. <laughs> um, a lot of hot takes. You're right. Like, I don't agree with <laughs> any of them. The internet discourse was a little bit annoying when it came to this show. Because you had articles. Of course or- it is. It's the internet. <laughs> Fair. You had articles that completely agreed with Albie. Like, Albie's right. The Godfather is sexist. All that. Yeah, and he, doesn't had- know, it, ugh, he doesn't know what he's talking He never saw the movie. He admitted to never right? Like... I mean, okay, those are parts of it. It's not the whole thing, though. Like, the whole concept is they're trying to solve things by talking, but no one wants to talk about their feelings. That's what I think. Exactly. And you had articles who were like, they get it wrong. I think all these articles are dumb because the, this is not Mike White 
telling us what to think. He's so good with characters. These are what these idiot characters think. Nobody comes out of this show like smelling like roses, right? So it's like that's, that's a great point. Yeah, these are extreme point of views. Yeah, and these people are extreme people. Like they are horrible people. Like that's what this show is about. It's like they're rich, they're elitist, they're white, and they're miserable, and they hate each other, and they're on vacation, and they can't have a good time because of all of their inner conflicts and shit and so that's what the show is you know you sit back and you watch it and i personally am like wow more more money more problems like i kind of don't want that life you know it's insane yeah it's wild i'll take that there's also a lot of the (laughs) like i'm not saying i don't want to win the mega millions okay but i'm just saying like i don't feel like any of these part of the fun of a lot of these characters is like they don't really know who they are right and like they have this version of themselves that they're trying to live up to and yet like that's not a possibility i don't know that's i haven't sat with the show very long but that's sort of what my impression of most of it was well to me like in in reference to the godfather they're not wrong but i think coppola and puzo when they're writing this they understand that masculinity is a huge part of the Godfather. But how can you say that when you know the story theoretically? Sonny, the most masculine character, the most chauvinistic character in the Godfather, gets shot and killed in the most gruesome way possible when he's just cocking balls, essentially, and not thinking straight. Right, right. It, yeah, it goes to show like that life leads nowhere you know like don't be like that don't be that guy michael comes home his wife asks him his business he which you know they claim that doesn't happen but it does and he lies to her and it ruins their entire marriage and it leads to a chain of events that ruins his entire life essentially if you follow the whole story through it gets his daughter shot (laughs) 100 percent. yes it's about masculinity yes it's about all those things but it's showing how these things do not solve the problems they they, that's yes they're not the answer so it's it's got to be like recontextualized um i i just feel like you know they're all sort of incomplete thoughts about about the movie you know they're all you know like it's not that they're necessarily wrong it's just like they're not entirely right Okay, like it's a point of view. It's a way of analyzing the movie and talking about it. You know, I'm sure you could write a paper about it, but like they each missed the point, I think, is part of the scene, is the point of the scene. Is Absolutely. Like, yeah. People, for what I understand about the film, get out of it what they want instead of what it's sort of offering. You know, that's the, that's the part of the problem with The Godfather is it's so fucking well made. You get caught up in it and like you can miss some of the subtleties of it. You know, you can miss the idea that like, oh, it's not cool to be the Don, right? Like everyone suddenly wants to be Scarface. Like why? (laughs) That's exactly what I was going to say, Mike. The people who have the Scarface like picture in their house. Do you know what happens to Scarface? (laughs) You know what I mean? His, His greed imprisons him. Just like the Godfather. While I agree with Dominic, the father, that like it's written this way because people are actually like this. It's not necessarily glorified. And if you watch The Godfather to glorify violence and and chauvinism and all that, you're a moron and you're not watching the ending. I'm sorry. (laughs) But but I think Mike White knows this. And I think he's just showing how these um, generations and point of views have 
contextualize the Godfather for their own point of view and not for the art that it is. So, I'm yeah. sorry, like, all these people writing these articles, like, agreeing or disagreeing with the points here, I get you could take nuggets out of it, but at the end of the day, I think the Godfather gets it right almost like live by the sword, die by the sword, as we've talked about, right? Like, if you live, if you live that way, you're going to be paid that way. Another thing yeah. I want to mention that is a through line, speaking of this family, and it is, is to me the through line of the Godfather series, especially we see it in the Coda slash Godfather 3, how the sins of the father fall onto the children, right? Yes. And that is exactly what's happening here with Bert, Dominic, and Albie. Oh, is it not? Interesting. So Mike White has use the godfather in my mind to weave this in that they and they quite literally can't escape that we learn that bert the grandfather is a womanizer but he has delusions that his wife never knew and they were happy together and everything and they're like no she knew and she was miserable right and then you have the father who's a little bit more realistic about it successful hollywood guy but his marriage is falling apart and he's an adulterer, and he literally lies there and has sex workers booked yes. for him. <laughs> I know. That was, like, the biggest mystery to me. Like, not who the dead body was, but, like, who booked the escorts and who it's going to be. I was like, which one of these? Who? <laughs> so crazy. And, and those sins eventually fall on the son, Albie, who gets involved with uh, one of the escorts. Lucia. Lucia. Or Lucia. Oh, yeah, Lucia. And she ends up duping him a little bit. And it's like, this is the sin that continues and continues and continues and continues. So, again, big theme in the oh, Godfather. a little bit. A l- <laughs> sorry, sorry. A little bit. He, he's a, Albie, Albie is a self-confessed huge mark in his words. <laughs> oh, man. And it's good. And, you know, those girls end up winning more than anyone at the end of the Oh, and if... Uh, if I may just say, like, her friend Isabella, yeah, is that her? The voice on that woman, like, the piano and everything, like, I need, I need her album so bad. They were amazing. They were amazing. But again, so, I, I don't think Mike White is just alluding to The Godfather. I think he's weaving those uh, themes in. Yeah. So, I really I love like that. that. I I love it too. I might have to rewatch it because of that and thinking about that, or at least rewatch like their segments and everything. Um, because like even the idea of why they're in Sicily, right? Because they're De Grasso and they want to find their heritage, and they're like, "Oh, we know the town we came from, and we're gonna go there and see if there's people with our name, and they're probably our relatives, and it'll be great," you know. And it's it reminds me of when Vito takes his children back in part two and they go and uh, it doesn't, and he shows them everything. But then again, it like doesn't, he ends up murdering somebody while he's there. You know, (laughs) So there's like a dark like agenda. And this time when they go there, they're quite unwelcome by who may be their relatives uh, for reasons. But like, that was just a very nice sort of way to like, also kind of parallel the Godfather and some of like the traditions of going back to the motherland, you know, got to go to Sicily, got to get over there, got to see where you came from. 
Hundred percent. That's true of like all immigrant families, right? Like it's the mm-hmm. idea of you can go back and you're always home, and that is not the case. In a lot of cases, you probably or your relatives or ancestors probably left for a reason, and the ones who stay probably don't want you there. Totally. It's a little exaggerated in this, but it is so great when they go back to that town and it's just like whatever, and they meet, <laughs> they meet those people, uh, uh, their supposed relatives, and they just want nothing to do with them. That is poetic. So I want to go over sort of some other Godfather stuff I caught. You already mentioned that F. Murray Abraham cool. is watching The Godfather. Um, that's why he books the tour. How about at the uh, at the villa, at uh, Don okay. Tomasino's <laughs> villa, and they have that mock-up car with yeah. Apollonia in it. Apollonia. They're, they're talking about, like, that's so distasteful, you know? It just looks so... That, that was... That was... A little weird. I gotta admit, like, to have the mannequin in the car was a little weird. Like, put the car there, sure, or whatever, but it's like, on this site, Apollonia has been exploded in a vault. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> and, like, that's not the only thing that happens at that villa, but, like, that's, like, the the big thing everyone remembers. So uh, that's yeah. what they're memorializing, at, theoretically. I know you can visit it. I don't think the car is there with the, the mock-up dummy. No, I, I don't. I, I have a feeling like that was written in for the show to show how like the ridiculousness of of it. Well, speaking of written to the show, uh, if you notice, the dummy is wearing the same dress that Jennifer Coolidge is wearing when she. Oh, again, spoiler alert! When she passes, foreshadowing. So it is foreshadowing. Foreshadowing. You know what? I was watching, and every not every time, but whenever there's like a Jennifer Coolidge segment, and they cut away from it, they dissolve to a shot of the ocean most of the time, mm. right? And like, I was like, why are they doing that? Like, why are they trying to say that like she is equal to the sea? Like, what is that? And it's like, oh, okay, spoiler. Like, that's where she ends up drowned in the ocean. People who have watched it again say there's a lot of illusions. So I might do a rewatch of actually right. both seasons. I actually, uh, I thought it was kind of too much of a gimmick actually for the first season because I was like, well, you definitely know that that one dude's involved somehow. If it's not his wife, it's someone that like he was in contact with because they start the season one focused on that one guy and talking about a dead body. So there's less of like, mystery you know you know it's sort of like the death is centered around that character with this one it's impossible to tell you know who it's going to be you just know it's not the wife of the one rich asshole that's the only person you know it can't possibly be so mike white originally or i've heard him say that like the death wasn't really supposed to be a big part of the first season the white lotus it was just supposed to be sort of an inciting incident but we're supposed to sort of get lost in the relationships between the people and then remember, like, yeah. oh, there's a death. And this one, there was a little bit more of a mystery element to it. So you're absolutely right about that, Mike. So so quickly, Godfather, quick hits here. Nice. At a certain point, um, I was going to say Tom Holland. Tom Hollander and that gang, <laughs> the gays, as they're referred to there, uh, take Jennifer Coolidge into Palermo and they see yes. they see Madame Madame Butterfly. They see an opera. Yes, at the Palermo Opera. And as we yes. know, that's where Michael and Kay Michael Junior. Yes, exactly. Michael Junior sang opera, and that's unfortunately where where uh, what's her name? Mary Mary 
Mary. Will somebody please hail Mary? God. God. (laughs) (laughs) That's where she, uh, of course. She she shot dead on the steps in front. Yeah. Believe it or not, there's a lot of Godfather 3 in this because of it. And exactly what you said, Mike. Godfather 3, a lot of it shot in Sicily. It's very operatic. It is a coda. It is a tragedy. And Jennifer Coolidge's arc almost, believe it or not, mirrors that. Yeah. The tragedy of Michael Corleone. I mean, I'm just bummed that, I mean, maybe it's saying something that F. Murray Abraham's character doesn't respect part three to show that that's part of why he's a dickhead. Like, (laughs) you know, a thing I think I mentioned on the show a lot is like everybody's favorite fucking quote from the Godfather trilogy is from part three. Just when I thought I was out, they They pulled me back in. in. Now, like it or not. That is said more than I'll make them an offer you can't refuse because for some reason you could use just when I thought I was out, they pull me back in a lot more often and sort of like day-to-day stuff. But like, I honestly believe those are the two quotes about the Godfather and one of them's from part three. Time to show the fucking respect, people. I know. Maybe the coda will do that if people give it a chance. I don't know. It doesn't sound like it's working, Brian. I think White Lotus needed to be the movement for the Burt character to say, now the underrated part three as well. If you want, we can take a trip to Palermo. <laughs> but that character wouldn't say that. You know what I mean? Like, I know. I know. But that's what the problem is. You know, that's what. Uh, anyway. So, so speaking of apparatic and that death, the big death at the end of Tanya, Jennifer Coolidge, it is also foreshadowed by the fact that uh, Haley Lou Richardson's character, who, by the way, I, I don't love Portia, Portia. necessarily, but I, I love the acting and I love where the character goes. Portia is wearing a Godfather shirt in the villa. Oh, yeah. On the night that they end up. And it's from, it's from presumably, from, uh, it looks like a purchase from that villa, uh, Don Tomasino's right. villa, because it's of the car and of that scene where it's about to blow up. So, oh, Brian. I need an exclusive Godfather shirt from Sicily, from Taramina, from the fucking set of the Godfather gift shop. Oh, man. I want to exit through that gift shop. I'm going to load up on everything, car fresheners, coasters, everything, hats, shirts. Give it to me. I mean, uh, when we go there, I'm not saying if when we go there, I'm buying everything. <laughs> when we're sent there by the four seasons <laughs> you know and also i'll just say this much like if hbo's listening i'll do a whole podcast just about the white lotus if you like you know that's cool with me i'll rewatch all of this it's fine you know <laughs> you know i'm in mike you know i'm in and also if paramount's listening like we'll do audio commentaries for the godfather films that you could put up on paramount plus as options to like listen <laughs> along and shit or peacock or wherever it is yeah, wherever it may be. You just shift it around. Oh, I guess there's one other sort of Godfather connection that popped up, but at um, Quentin's party, he introduces Jennifer Coolidge. What's her character's name again? Tanya. Tanya. So at Quentin's party, he introduces Tanya to somebody, and he's like, this is the man who's got all the drugs. He's the greatest man. He's he's I'm going he's the straight man here, but we all want him, but we can't have him. So you get to have him. He's he's connected if you understand. And she's like, "You mean the mafia?" He's like, "Shh. Lo nostra." He's like, "We do not talk about it." <laughs> very true. Very uh very Godfather and the offer. <laughs>
I loved Tom Hollander, by the way. That, that voice, I can't get enough of. He would have tricked me, too, you know? He was like, comes on so strong, yet so polite. He's like, you're absolutely fabulous. You must yeah. come with us to Palermo. Where I, I will pay for everything. Everything. And his creepy nephew. Oh, my God. That episode. Whew. Ooh, no, I mean, again, this is not a White Lotus deep dive, but we could do a White Lotus deep dive because there's so much great stuff here. Dude, the thing I'm thinking about Michael Imperioli now, like, he would be good in something Godfather related. Like, you know, we talk about our, you know, the show, if they're going to do another movie. Like, this is a guy, he's at an age now where I feel like he could do this. Like, he could, you know, be an iconic presence in a film like I don't know. He's just a very strong presence. I, I don't know. It's weird. Like, what has he been up to? Staying in the HBO family. I guess. So I think that's all in terms of Godfather things I picked okay. up on. Maybe some more will come up. But it's just, it's a great season. It's a great series. You you can watch both seasons. But if you just want to watch season two, you can go for that as well. Like, it, does, it doesn't ruin it to just watch uh, the second season. Exactly. It's just that I couldn't watch season two without watching season one. But, like, yeah, it's an anthology. So, like, you don't really – like, everything you need to know about the one character that crosses over, you find out very early on. And you wouldn't even, you wouldn't even know. You wouldn't even know that they're in the other season. No, it's just, like, extra material for the character. But if you just met her here, it would be the same. Exactly, yeah. Well, Mike, this was an action-packed episode, a super fun episode. We talked Megalopolis news. We talked uh, White Lotus. Yeah. And, and we we went into uh, Al Pacino coffee deep dive. <laughs> oh, yeah. Remember that? That was great. <laughs> Got to get my Al Pacino coffee. Al Pacino. What is it called again? The, the brand? Uh Oh, I don't know. I already closed all the tabs. Yeah, what, <laughs> whatever. We'll figure it out. We'll I'll, I'll figure it out when I'm editing. But oh, it's uh, Vitor Vitoria, Vitoria, Vitoria. You got to get that coffee, Mike. Uh, so once again, hit us up on social media. Follow the show. Listen to all our episodes. If this is your first episode, listen to. High School Slumber Party. Listen to P.S. I Love Hoffman. Mike, all your shows. Cage Club. Uh, Viva Viva Pod Vegas. As oh, yeah. Viva Pod Vegas. I forgot to hype that at the opening of the show because it was E's birthday recently. Happy birthday, E. The King. Rest in peace. I can't remember. What was the last one? It happened at the World's Fair. Joey and I just recently watched. Also, the, the kid who played Elvis in the movie won the Golden Globe last night. Austin so. Butler, yeah good on him and yeah that's great watch uh listen to listen to the elvis watch elvis monsters that made us universal monsters all the good stuff over at cageclub.me mike i've drank my april spritz i've drank all my wine i might need oh my god i might need a, uh, there wasn't that much left in the bottle but but okay okay i might need a Doncachino if i'm gonna oh. stay up any longer but i shouldn't so why, why don't you give us are closing and we'll take it away absolutely leave the guns wait <laughs> the new leave closing the podcast leave the podcast take the cannolis this is the end beautiful friend this is the end my only